Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. Comment upset you. Nothing upsets me. I don't think I get butthurt. I think I get combative, if that's what you're saying. And I hope that that's not the episode today because Luca Nation, as we're jumping on here, kicking off an episode, I got my gamer headphones going, so I'm locked in, focused. By the way, shout out to Boston Authentic. Guy helped me out. I've been holding the MUDs, uh, the tops, SPAC, and it's been going berserk today. So shout out to Boston Authentic for that tip. Appreciate you. Almost at six bucks, 563. Bought it at 406. Wow, that's like the warrants you're in, not the actual, not the actual play, not the actual stock. That's right. That's right. I don't really know what a warrant is, though. It's what somebody puts out for your arrest when you are a criminal in the West, in the 1700s or whenever it was 1800s. So the so the people that broke my car window while I was playing soccer took my bag, my sister's bag, and my iPhone. Warrant for the arrest. By the I way, didn't even go yes. to the police for that. Let's take a let's take a pause and acknowledge this, okay? This poor guy, okay, in Mexico, trying to get a little exercise because we started our whole let's get healthy yesterday. Thank you to all of the great responses we got out of that. I'm starting up a group. So if you're a fellow fatty, somebody sent me a message. It was like, hey, I'm a fellow fatty here. If you're a fellow fatty and you want to get into a group, (laughs) talk about our weight loss, go for it. But Andrew decides he's going to take it to heart and he's going to go out and play soccer. So he's out there. He's playing soccer. Um, you know, he, um, one of his pals is visiting him. He's also a soccer player. So I, I'm, I guess these guys wanted to go down there and, and show the, uh, show the locals how a couple of guys from, uh, from the Northeast play soccer and school them. And I guess Andrew and his friend scored one too many goals because they went to, while they weren't looking, the other team went to their car and broke his window and stole his phone. This is messed up, man. That's messed up. So you know the way that you've been about Gary Vee chatting about all that yayo and all that yes. stuff? That's how I am on the soccer field. So it's funny. Cheech, get the yayo. Cheech, get the yayo. So as soon as we come off, a few of the guys make that joke. They're like, you probably were talking a bit too much. That's why they broke your car window. And where I said, stop with that nonsense. Yeah, for sure. I talk a ton. Because, Cage, you got to understand, like, oftentimes you come onto these pitches, you know, just pick up soccer. You got guys that are pretty good. You got guys that are chubby. You got kids. There's no energy. Sometimes people are like, it looks like they're half asleep. And you got to bring the energy. And when you start challenging people, talking, being like, is that all you got? I think you guys have lost four games in a row. Are we going to keep this trend going? Or what's the deal here? People get a little bit, uh, uh, I, I use the word duermo. I, I ask them, are they sleeping? Esta, esta duermo? Esta duermo? So let me set the picture for our audience. Somewhere about 17 miles south of Juarez on a dusty pitch with dented goal posts and the goals are falling, no nets. It's yeah. actually concrete wall where inside the concrete is the goal. See? The Hernandez it's, it's pretty family. Incredible. Hernandez family is out for a family reunion. They're barbecuing. You know, there's a couple kids, a couple seven year olds, you know, a couple eight year olds, a couple twelve year olds, you know, just some cousins getting together for the first time in a couple weeks. And they decide they're gonna bring a soccer ball, they're gonna go out there, and then Andrew shows up and just busts up the family reunion soccer game. And he's out there calling these little six- and seven-year-olds tired and weak. Bring the energy. Come on, I don't care that you're only in second grade. Bring that energy. You don't play with second graders. Here. No. 18, 18 to 24-year-olds are most of these guys, 18 to 25. And they should be the ones bringing the energy. Why should a 31-year-old who runs a podcast and is retired be bringing the energy? But you got to do what you got to do. 
right. Cage. Well, as long as you're not welcome- with little kids, you know, you're not beating up kids, you're not getting red cards. You know, never. I don't slide. I don't injure. Uh, never, ever, ever. Welcome back to another episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronzo Mai. And today is our Starstock special. So as usual, and you guys love this. I love the combo of Conrad doing a deep dive into the NBA, which we put now at the end of the episode. It's like a 10 to 15 minute segment. And we talk about the data that Starstock sends over. But before, first off, real quick, my Starstock index, you know, my collection, they have that cool chart, is now profitable. I'm up 50 bucks on the year, so that feels amazing. Huh. They've got this vintage card section, which I think is kind of sick. Like, You could get some really cool 7s, 8s, 9s, PSA 8s, 7s, 9s, lower end grades of kind of cool stuff like Jerry Rice and uh, Barry Bonds and, and just these cool guys you wouldn't even think of if you didn't see them on the index. You save on shipping, you save on taxes. So I've been looking at that section. Before I get started, Cage, you know we're nine months into this podcast? Hmm. Into our podcast? I had not been counting, but you know, make that that's about right. It's about right, right? If someone asked you, you know, what surprised you in these nine months since you've been doing this? You know, what do you have a takeaway? Do you have something that you'd love to share with Luke and Nation? Before we get into our Starstock episode, I wanted to give you a floor and see if there's something that you wanted to share, impart, give kind of a little wisdom from these nine months. So what has surprised me in the last nine months of the podcast? Is that the, is that the question? Is that the ask for today? The podcast or the things you've learned or the people you've met from the podcast? Hmm. What am I most surprised about? I, I think I'm most surprised about the amount of people who are out there building something on the hobby. Right? And, and we're included in that. You know, when we started nine months ago... Um, I have to say, I was a little, I don't know, uncertain about a podcast coming and giving daily plays, talking about the hobby, right? And, you know, a lot of the concern there was, you know, is there going to be stuff to talk about, which is laughable. Uh, you know, here we are, we come on today, and, you know, you like to give topics, I'll give topics. I mean, we, we had a record basketball sale last night, $5.2 million for the LeBron, um, you know, rookie patch order out of 23. Um we saw a Charizard sale on the other end of the spectrum sell for significantly less than what that card had been selling for previously. Um, and what I find, you know, it's for, obviously that was an unfounded thing. Uh, clearly there's enough to talk about. There's enough content out there. There's enough going on in the hobby on a daily basis for us to, uh, you know, for us to talk about. But it's amazing how many people who are out there doing their thing. You know, I hope to bring some of them on our to come up with Cage. First episode will come out this week. And we'll do weekly episodes on that. People who are doing breaking groups, people who are doing Facebook groups, people who are doing podcasts, YouTube shows. I mean, it's just amazing. Just just this week, we see another the raw card review, you know, grading company. I'm, I mean, I have to research it. I just saw a picture of it. You know, just this week we saw, um, you know, we saw additional people come out with with um, you know fractional shares. I mean, just there's so many things that have come out of the hobby. I guess that's the biggest thing that surprised me about this because. You know, I've seen the hobby boom previously, and I think what what killed the hobby last time was that there really was no innovation. You know, we had that nostalgia boom. We had that everybody wanted to come back in and buy that stuff from when they were kids, and everybody, you know, cards got big, and then nothing carried it forward. You know what I mean? There was nothing that was preventing that bubble from bursting. And I think that with all of the people who are in this now, you know, with daily content and with, you know, with, with grading getting better and with, 
you know, breaks and just the, you know, accessibility to information and product, I think it might be different this time. So I guess that's the, the thing that has surprised me the most, just the amount of ancillary stuff that there is out there related to the hobby, the amount of businesses that can be built upon this hobby. That makes sense? Makes a ton of sense. I'm sitting here thinking how I made the video about the Sasha T trade for the Charizard, mm -hmm. and I got skewered in the comments, skewered. And I'm sitting here feeling like it, it's nice to be right. It's nice to be validated with that last sale because I do believe that that Charizard completely overextended itself. I think 250 is a fair price for it. And that trade, I mean, people thought that that trade was single-handedly in favor of Sasha. I think now you see with a little bit more time, it was a pretty even trade. It was a pretty even trade. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see what the valuation is on the cards that he gave in it. I don't even remember what they were. Like if those have come It down was a LeBron Chrome mm -hmm. 10, LeBron Chrome X-Fractor BGS 9, 100K in cash, and a Kobe Exquisite Auto. Right, so I mean, I guess the Kobe and LeBrons have slightly come down also in the last couple of months as well. You know, most of them have. I think it might be on their way back up. Um, but, you know, you know, I think if he were arguing, he would say that he probably did it using things that were likewise at a high point, figuring that if the market itself kind of came down uh, the, way, the way that it sort of has, that, you know, the value at the time is not the same as what the value would be now. Like maybe, you know, if he valued it at 400000 at the time, maybe those cards and the cash are really only worth like three twenty five now or something. You know what I mean? I think that's probably. But he was exciting. running around saying it was a five hundred thousand dollar card. I know, but the reality. But that's listen. I'm not going to fault him for that, right? Because, you know, that's what people do. You know what I mean? Like, if you buy a card, you're not buying a card because you think it's worth what you're paying for it. You're buying a card because you think it is worth more. You think it's a bargain. Otherwise, you know, you're not. And most people will not pay full full value for a card. You're you're buying it to, you know, to to see it appreciate and or because you think it's a bargain, right? So. He's not – most people, it's just human nature, Andrew. I mean, you, you might be right. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it never even hit 400000 by the way. It was never a sale at four. The highest sales were the high threes. So to say it was five is, is a bit much. But what do you expect him to say? Is he going to put $400,000 in value into it and say, hey, it's only worth two fifty? I mean, no one's going to do that. He, he could say uh, – so I have no problem with people saying what they want. I have an obligation to our Luca Nation community to – for me, I love this stuff. Like I, I do research – not just on sports cards, on, you know, ants. Like, there's a lot of parallels with sports cards as there are with other industries. I've talked about that. So I love this stuff. And I, I feel an obligation to Luca Nation to, to, to tell them what I see. There's many times where I could be wrong as well. Um, but I, I, I do get validated when I see something. I look at it, I do a little research, I put it through my own filter, and it comes out right. I, there is a level of validation with that. Did you say you do research on ants? Is that what it sounded like? I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know you say you do research. and said, I do research on things like ants. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> you learn something new every day. <laughs> like, you know, right? I, did, I didn't mean to say it like that, but it may, may have come out like that. <laughs> like, right. I said, I do, a I do a little research. I run it through my filter okay. and see what comes out the other end. All right. Well, I mean, listen, here's the fun part about that. And I think you'll even agree with this, right? None of us should be claiming that we're right or wrong on these things. Because any given moment, we could be right, we could be wrong. You know, if you went back to February, Gary V could be pumping his chest out and, and you know, doing the King Kong here. Uh, like, I know the market's great. But you fast forward a couple of months and Vegas Dave is winning that end of the argument, right? 
you know, saying that the, the bubble is bursting, you know, maybe in two months it'll swing back the other way. And if, if things set a new high, it wouldn't be that crazy. We saw it last year, right, between August and October and then February and now April. You know, the market has had wild swings. Um, so, you know, to claim I'm right, I'm wrong, I've won, I've lost, it really, whether you've won or lost, really depends on when you're claiming that victory or defeat. You know, it depends on what kind of chart you're going to have there. Um, this isn't a game, right? It isn't a, you know, there's no time limit on this unless you're setting one, right? It's not who has the most points at the end of the clock at regulation. There is no clock at regulation here, right? I mean, so. Finite versus infinite game theory. So. Kind of changed my life reading that, by the way. I used to live my my life in like a finite game theory. Uh, and now I think a lot more about infinite. So without further ado, this is a star stock episode. Nice. I don't want to, I don't want to claim I'm right, but I will say that before Baseball season. I, I said that Starstock will be the perfect platform you to did. trade baseball. You did. Uh, and you're starting to see that. I mean, baseball is now 45.5% of all the sales. I mean, Top Series 1 is the number one brand by sales. Uh, you look at the top five players by sales value, top five players by sales count. I mean, I think the sales count. Well, Marcus Howard's on here. Sure. Uh, he's a basketball guy, though, right? For Marquette. If I remember correctly, I didn't expect to see him on this list. But point is, you're seeing so much volume, so much movement in the baseball market. And the index is up almost 5% this week with the three main, main performers. And I'm going to kick it over to you here. Mm -hmm. Shohei Otani up 25%. He's just, he's volatile. I think he was down last week. Gavin Lux and Eloy Jimenez. Keston Hiera uh is the only one on the worst performer list that's even worth mentioning kyle lewis is also on here at minus 1.64 percent but keston is down 20 percent week over week so as we always say look for the bounce back because yep. uh, he is a good prospect anything stuck out to you you want to talk baseball you want to talk basketball yeah so i mean just look at that list right i mean so a couple things right let's talk about eloy Hines, right that he's now on the up right that's that's, a, that's an oversold condition and andrew listen what i would love uh, you know out of this episode here and I want to talk about tops and I want to talk about baseball, but I'd love for you to tell our audience about some of the, the, the trading classes that you're taking, some of the courses you're taking, some of the trading you're doing, because I think it really does apply to Starstock. Because really, what Scott Greenberg told us the last time he was on with us was, you know, they're trying to create a stock market atmosphere for cards. And one of the things you're learning about is, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you, but learning about trends. Right. And and one of the things that we've identified with Starstock for for money, for trends is take a look at who is beaten down week over week. And you'll find that next week they'll trend back up. Right. And we've seen that trend time over time. We, we, you know, you could have played, basically played Kobe White every other week. You could have bought him one week and sold him the next, bought him one week, sold him the next and made good money so far this year. Eloy Jimenez is a great example because he's somebody who got hurt. And everybody beat the hell out of his card because he got hurt. And now what the trend there was is people were selling, 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 and you figured, okay, it's oversold. You're in an oversold condition, right? And people are buying back in because they know at some point he's going to come back. He's going to be in that lineup. He's going to be good again, um, and he's going to you know, put up stats. And at, and at some point, and most people have realized that that point was this past week, his cards were oversold, just like a stock would get oversold. And it became a bargain. It became an oversold you know, commodity. So that's one I want you to talk about. Two – just for me to throw a little, a little, you know, info in here, I expect that baseball to be over fifty percent in the next week or two, and I expect that tops series one to stay that way because 
I know personally, I sent in a bunch of Topps Series 1 stuff from all the boxes that I opened and got tried to get it in under the wire of the 25 cent, uh, you know, uh, insert, you know, getting getting them in fee, you know, for the, the 25 cent per card intake fee. Um, so I know probably I'm not the only one who did that. So we're probably going to see a whole bunch more of those Series 1 the, from Joe Adele on down to all the other rookies. And whenever somebody has a good game um, that comes out of the woodwork, whether it's, you know, uh, Joe Musgrave, you know, who has his, his no-hitter, or um, who is it? Oh, uh, I've, I've definitely sent in Zach Gallen cards, the kid from the Diamondbacks who has recent rookie cards, and he had a great pitching performance this week. So it is a great platform, and Andrew, you've hit this every week. It's, it's a day-to-day, it's almost like daily fantasy. When you get those cards in there, this is the, Starstock is the best platform for this, for baseball. It's almost like a daily fantasy play. So I think we're going to see the baseball numbers go up. I think we're going to see top Series 1 stay on that top list and even increase the amount of sales are there. But I just I threw a lot out there for you, so I'm going to mute myself, man, which I hardly ever do, and go for it. A lot, lot to unpack. Well, I mean, I can start with something fascinating. Seeking Alpha, Seeking Alpha it's like this blog site for uh, uh, that reviews stocks. This is the article they wrote about Tops. Tops, a well-priced company with substantial upside. What, what was cool at reading that, and I don't know if you know this, Tops also owns like uh, concessions, which are like candy. Did you know that? Yeah, actually, I think Bazooka is about 30 or 35% of the company, the Bazooka Bubblegum, you know? So, yeah, I know, that, you know, it's, it's like when we talk about uh, Collector's Universe stock before it went private. PSA is only a small portion of it. So Really fascinating. So that was one cool thing I learned today. Second thing, I'm reading, I love to learn. Like, I'm a lifelong learner. I really enjoy it. Um, who knows what I'll be learning in five, ten years. But I'm really enjoying market behavior. And, and that's not, you know, day trading versus, you know, week to week versus long term. Because it's all of it sports cards collectibles and just understand i think it's cool to understand market behavior so dip buying is an amazing you know uh way to understand patterns and market behavior and people's psychology it, it really that pattern comes from a lack of patience right because most of the times when players are oversold like that or stocks are oversold like that it's not that they're bad companies it's actually that people just don't have the patience to wait out a certain period of time that's an injury or the guy got benched or a company just doesn't have news. So that is definitely a pattern that I watched. There's just also this cool concept. Uh, I actually met a guy in a Apple store one day. We were like, you know how like the Apple store is basically like a game freaking store. Like you literally go in there, you have so many toys and we got to talking about trend following. And it's funny today that I got, um, uh, I got, back into this book just serendipitously. And one of the questions or one of the topics was this concept of turtle traders. So this guy made $100 million trading back in the 1980s. His name was Richard Dennis and William Eckert. And their theory was, you know, if we can do it, so can the average chip. So they believed in this concept so much that they would put up their own risk. They would say, we'll give all of the people that we select for this program. We're going to select 14 people. We're going to give them 5,000 bucks each. And the way that they chose those people was with these five questions, and they saw what people would answer. So throughout this episode, I'll read all the five questions. But one I think that was cool is it is not helpful to watch every quote in the markets one trades. Uh, so it's worded kind of weird, but the answer was it's not helpful to watch every market, uh, every quote in the market. So I think a good takeaway, a good lesson from that is to get really honed in on 
understanding of how one, two, five different players trade. I think that's a good lesson, right? Like you, you brought up Kobe White. If you watch his pattern and you watch how he trades week over week over week, you get to know his behavior, right? Because a Kobe White card might work like a, a Jaron Jackson card, but there also could be differences. So getting to know a market is really important. You want me to keep going? You want to come no, up? No, I love it. Oh, I love it. I, I mean, and I would fully expect Jaron Jackson's cards to be up next week and maybe even see him on the uh, on the increase list, you know, because what's fun about that is you also have to be tied in, right? I mean, one of the things you and I talked about is, you know, some guys come off the bench with fanfare. It's, hey, seven days away. Like LaMelo, we've been hearing LaMelo's come back for like three weeks now, and he might come back next week. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr., you found out about like six minutes into the first quarter. Wait, he's playing? You know, like, so there wasn't a lot of uh, ramp for his cards to go up. So I have a feeling you're going to start to see, you know, his stuff start to uh, start to perk up as well. So this is interesting. This is talking, knowing a market. Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, I guess. He's already up 20% from last week. But do you, you know, do you predict, do you, do you think he's going to show up on the worst performer list next week? Or do you think he has another week where he goes up because he's been out for so long? We still have to price that in. Right. So if he goes up next week, then the week after I would expect him to be down. But I don't expect him to fall off, you know, off the cliff. Only because he is not the, the, the guy that had that huge run up because of the big fanfare. You know, somebody like when LaMelo comes back, right? I expect his cards in the, they're probably already starting to go up. But I expect his cards the week he comes back to go up tremendously. And then the following week, I would expect a fall off. Right? That's unless he does something nuts, you know, unless he's putting up a 40-point triple-double or something, you know, crazy like that, which you know is possible, of course. But even with that, like, you know, my bet would be um, you know, buying your Lamello now, selling your Lamello when when he comes back. It's almost we we talk about like buy the rumor, sell the news, right? Jared Jackson Jr., he's up 20%, but he, you know, <clears throat> have you seen many articles about him coming back? Have you seen much fanfare? But it hasn't. Like, it hasn't made any sense to me. For so someone of his, I would put Jaron Jackson Jr. in the category of Lamelo, and the amount of news that Lamelo has coming back from his injury compared to Jaron Jackson makes no sense to me. And there's no way you could say that Memphis is a small market team. So is Charlotte. It makes no sense. I've never seen anything like it. And they're both kind of on the cusp of the play-in kind of deal. So the, the teams are both doing approximately the same. You know record-wise and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, all things being equal, you would figure there'd be about the same amount for, for both of them, but, uh, you know, there really hasn't been. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Do you, th- do you think that's because big guys don't get any love? Is it still back to that? Like, wh- how can you explain that? Because Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of the best prospects, long-term and short-term, in the card-buying hobby, in my opinion. They're working on the penthouse upstairs. It sounded like uh, it sounded like the beginning of like I am Iron Man. Brrr, sounded like a little like a little like heavy metal guitar action going on there. So listen, guys, you know we should do that. We should have turned that into a game. It could be like you know guess the sound effect. Um, and Andrew, normally it's the brustling of me um, five o'clock shadow against my microphone. But today, you know, it's the penthouse. The penthouse. Um, I'm just shocked you're not in the penthouse. If we're being honest. It's actually for sale. It's it's not uh it's it, dude, it's cheap. It's cheap. Three hundred K to buy the penthouse. There's a lot of construction and a lot of pre construction right now to them. You know what? Just tell Sasha to slide you over the uh the the, the Charizard. Sasha. See if, you, gotcha. see if you can barter it. Barter a little Charizard for the penthouse, you know? Do one of those kind of things. Um, 
nice. That'd be nice. No, I mean, do you want listen, another? Do you want another rule from what I read today? There's five questions. These aren't rules; they're questions. The big money, in, and I want to hear what you have to say. The big go. money in trading is made when one can get long at lows after a big downtrend. I can repeat that if you need. One can get long at lows after a big downtrend. Okay, I get that. So I would imagine it's buying something quality and not something that um, ha has just been beaten up because it should be beaten up. I would imagine it's something that has you know, seen a little bit of a dip. So I, I'll equate this to getting long on something, right? So we're always looking for the right time to get in on a card. We're always looking for the right time to get in on an asset. Um, you know, so what has seen a prolonged downtrend? And it also it depends on the market. What's prolonged? A year? So the way the market has been moving now, prolonged downtrend is like a month or two. <laughs> and I think a, a good example of this would be somebody like me. I've always missed the boat on Kobe and LeBron. So if you look at like the Kobe and the LeBron uh, chromes, right? In February, we were talking about those cards being over $40,000 each, the 96 tops chrome, right? And in February, they, you know, the end of February started coming down. March, they were down. And the March down, beginning of April down. They started to hit kind of like a 50% off floor, right? So it's one of those things where you've seen that prolonged downtrend. That would have been a good time if I were, you know, looking to get into LeBron and Kobe to get long on those cards. And, and getting long also means, you know, I'm going to be in it for, you know, it's patient, right? So, so it means, all right, if I buy it at 21 or 20,500 and a month later they're at 19, Okay, so I didn't call the bottom, but I'm not buying this for a quick one-month flip. I'm buying it because I think that, that the floor is going to come, and I'm going to be in it for a sustained growth over time. Um, at least that's what I think you're, you're talking about with that rule. I interpreted it as my play when I gave you guys LeBron Tops Chrome. So if you guys remember that play, it was a card that broke through recent highs. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think I gave that play a bit premature, but it actually played out in my favor. I think I gave that play, it was like at 11K, it actually dropped back down to nine, and then it, it just went berserk. But the point is, as it, so goes 11, break, comes back to nine, then it breaks 11, 12, 13. I interpreted that as that's when you buy. Because what you have is an asset that broke recent highs, and now we're going through a level of price discovery. We're trying to figure out what is that asset worth? And there's going to be a lot of volume coming in and buying that asset up and up and up and up. And we, I thought of the LeBron Chrome when I heard that. It, it's not about buying it at the low. It's about catching the trend as it breaks recent highs with volume. And I think the LeBron Tops Chrome is an amazing example of a card that that happened with. That's funny. So, I mean... I've always, I, I would never really do that, and maybe I've missed out on a lot of a lot of buying opportunities with that. I mean, my my deal was always, um, I guess you can call it dip buying, right? So it was always looking for that quality asset and trying to get it in a bargain. And I, I, you know what, I think I have to build in the other side to that equation, right? Because you know we've seen things run, and when they run, they run, right? And, you know, and they're running for a reason. Whether it's it's good performance, it's somebody discovering that this is a low top card that. You know that has some real legs to it. It's it's a buildup of demand for that card, um, and, and I I would guess that there's probably more momentum on those upside plays than somebody trying to catch that falling knife. Basically, you know. Um, for sure, I, I think the big takeaway, if we're like going to go really macro, it's there's more than one way to win actually, because Cage has won dip buying, but people have also won buying uh, at new highs. Right, a big thing in the hobby is no one wants to buy at highs. 
It's right? true. It's well, because but then there's another fun. big thing in the hobby where people don't want to buy a discount. Like the Charizard right now is kind of at a discount. So well, it's kind about of it, right. Right. You know, I mean, nobody wants to be the guy who overpaid. I mean, you just, you, you know, first five minutes of this episode, you said you were right and you wouldn't want to be Sasha holding that card. Uh, you know, saying it was worth a half a million dollars. Nobody wants to be in that position having to defend what they did. Nobody wants to be the guy who bought at the top because then you're like, ah, I bought at the top. I mean, I will tell you, if he were here, he probably would tell you, okay, that might have been the top now, but let's talk in six months. You know For I mean? sure. So I get it, but yeah, I mean, and that's me. I will tell you, I'm, I'm in, that, in that boat myself. Like even at 250, which is clearly not the top, I – have and, and listen, Luca Nation. We're, we're we're telling you, and we'll go back to the star stock in a second, right? But you know, it's it it applies to that stuff too. Like I gotta tell you, it's human nature, right? Like even at two fifty, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have bought that. But it, but I say to myself, hmm, what happens if the next one's two twenty, and then it's two ten, and then it's one ninety five, and then I bought at two fifty. Everybody knows, and they, they, I'm the idiot. You know what I mean? They're Let me flip it for you, please. What did you do with your Jordan? You actually followed the, the exact strategy we're talking about. You were a record high buyer on that card, but it broke recent record highs, and there was so much demand plus momentum that it pushed that card from whatever you got it at to double to double to another 50%, and then it corrected. So yep. you got it just as it broke the highs, yep. just as it broke through those highs with what we call volume. But in that hobby, you can't really talk volume. You talk demand and momentum. Yeah, that's one of the few times I've done that. <laughs> and that's actually one of your best investments, by the way. Yep. So far. So far it has been. I mean, you know, we don't want to talk about Top Shot, but yes, no, it's it's definitely one of my one of my one of my best investments. Top shot. Top shot was a lottery. That's a yeah, that's a different thing. It's definitely luck. So I gotta tell you, I mean, you know, on Starstock, what I've been doing myself on a lot of these things is, you know, um, I, I mean, I've been selling off my Starstock. I have Starstock C's. From, from when I sent them in. I've been selling off Starstock C's and trying to like color up to Starstock B. Does that sound ridiculous? Because for whatever reason, they are they're pretty much the same price. You know what I mean? Lowering guys, like I'm doing a lot of Terrence Mann. Like I had a bunch of like Terrence Mann cards, real cards, and I'm like, all right, you know, like I think this guy's good. You know, I think he's worth more than, you know, uh, nickels and dimes. And basically, I'm selling my, my lower end C's and using the money to buy into B's. And I'm getting them basically the same price. So uh, that's interesting. I think the, I think the reason we we had this kind of the background conversation before we got into Starstock was it's all market behavior. There's a lot of ways to win, and I th I think there is value. So talk to me, Terrence Mann. That was someone yep. who I gave as a play as well. Yep. I'm a big fan of him. Yep. Florida State guy. He's on the Clippers. He's a bit overshadowed, obviously, by Kawhi and Paul George, but I think he has a really bright future ahead of him. Um, are you getting into example. baseball? So, 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 yes, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of baseball rookies also because people are just, they're putting them in there. And I mean, I'm buying up B's right now. So, a guy's strategy on these, right? So, so a lot of people putting your, your, their top baseball rookies in there. If there's a rookie you like, you can buy them cheap, especially in the B. You know, like if you're a Davey Garcia believer from the Yankees or you're an Alec Bomb believer. He's pitching tonight. Or, yeah, I mean, the Yankees have not looked that good. But if you're, um, you know, if I think he pitched last night. Um, if you're a believer, was it last in, night? if you're he got beat, I think. Um, if you're a believer in, um, you know, Joe Adele, obviously he's got some price to it. But there's a million, there's a million rookies in this year's rookie class that you can get for pennies, nickels. Well, not pennies, but a nickel, ten cents. You know what I mean? Like, so, so, and I'm not shying away from the bees. So I have a couple guys that I like that are, you know, like you call them prospecting. 
what better way than go prospecting on a baseball rookie? You could buy their star stock bees for a dime. Like you could buy a hundred of the guy's cards for ten dollars. I mean, how do you beat that? So I'm doing that. I'm doing that a bunch of guys. And you know, call them lottery tickets, guys. Seriously, call them lottery. If, they, if this is somebody who is playing this year, you know, David Peterson, right? Uh, Nate Pearson. I mean, these guys have rookie rookie cards in this year's stuff. And they're selling for change, right? And I know people don't love pitchers, but what if what if one of them throws a no hitter? You know, what if one of them you know goes out there and, and you know has a couple of great you know multiple strikeout games? The I'm just throwing out names for you guys. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned them before, and you know you can have your own. Pick somebody who's somebody you watch. Pick somebody from you know the team that you watch. What, isn't it worth that that ten dollar twenty dollars? You can really stack up on somebody, and if they happen to have a great game, people are going to run to Starstock to buy their stuff. And you're taking your 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 ten cent card and turning it into a dollar card, you know. It's a real way to you know to to make some make some money on these. Catch us up on Kyle Lewis. What do you expect for him? He was down a little bit in this week's index, so he's hurt, right? So you know he didn't start the season playing with them, so he was injured, so his stuff is a little bit down. Um, you know, I think he's I think he when he comes back and is actually healthy and hits his stride, he'll be fine. Um, that team has a, an amazing amazing young core. Um, you know, if they build out their pitching a little bit, yeah, now feel that they're they're talking about Jared Kellenic, um Kyle Lewis who won the rookie of the year last year, and um J Rod, you know, after I mean like they have a really, really good, solid young core that's gonna be playing for the next, you know, five, ten years. Seattle's one of those teams that can make some noise soon. So, you think so? Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean if, especially if they're gonna spend some money. Uh, but yeah, they definitely are. They're a team that could, you know, that that will be paying. They'll be playing relevant baseball. You know, that's that's about all you can ask for because just like every place else, there are super teams now. You know, if the Dodgers are going to get every player, it's going to be hard to win a World Series from them. You know, but uh, but you know that doesn't mean you're not going to have a team that's you know in playoff contention. I think Seattle will get there soon. Something that I noticed, and this is, I came in this episode with just this one takeaway from the data. Sometimes we talk about a lot of things. Sometimes we talk about one. Soto is no longer on the list of highest valued and most valued. Tertis is 265. Acuna is 265. Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's funny. They're all juniors. It's 250. Here's the thing. Soto is the best of all three of them. He already has a championship. He's the best hitter. He's the best player out of all of those guys. He's just on the worst team. And I think maybe not now, but I would monitor his market. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I think it's he's head and shoulders above the other guys. As much as I like the other guys. And the other guys are flashy. Acuna is a five-tool player, like you always said. But Soto is a different breed. I think. So here's the thing, right? I think with those guys, you know, if we're, if we're comparing across their top space rookie card, right? If we're comparing across that, I understand it because that tops Soto. Um, you know, it's a great card and everything like that. And, you know, the pop is huge on it. I think if we're asking me about the Chrome for any of those guys, I go with Soto. I think the Chrome, for whatever reason on Soto, the Chrome has outpaced the paper by a longer shot than the other guys. It's um, almost double. So the Soto is 300 in a PSA 10. The latest sale is 245 on it, on the paper. Mm-hmm. On the Chrome, it's double. I know. Where do you see that? You see PSA 10s for sale for 570 with the last sale at 475. That's why I brought it up. It's double. So for whatever reason, and I think it's, you know, people just got really good grading the the tops chrome uh excuse me, the tops paper on uh on Soto. Also, 
I will tell you this. What I'm seeing with baseball cards, and maybe you call it dangerous a little bit, you name it. What I'm seeing with baseball cards is similar to what we saw with basketball. And people said, okay, prism, base, prism, base, it's prism, base. And they started to, to buy the Luca and compare them to the Giannis. Right? Okay, we got Giannis's prism is worth this much, so Luca's prism is worth this much. And then it was Zion's prism and Ja's prism and Trey's prism and Bob. Because, look, we know prism. We know how much Giannis is worth, so we know what this is worth. And they're forgetting about the difference in production, right? And I think people are looking at um, – let's use Mookie Betts as a great example. And you see the disparity between the chrome and the paper, right? And neither one of them are abundant, right? But the chrome base, if you were to look at the population on Mookie Betts chrome uh, tops, uh, you know, the, his tops chrome rookie, it's minuscule. I think it's double digits. There might be like 30 of them or 40 of them or something like that. Just, just like a crazy low amount. And you see how much it's worth, right? Thousands of dollars. People look at that and they're like, oh, wow, you know, like – Obviously, the chrome is the better one than the tops. You know, that chrome is 4x the price of the tops paper. Well, it's also one fourth of the supply. And if you look at the chrome stuff for, for the younger guys now, these 2018, 19, 20s, um, what you're going to see is there might be less chrome. Some of them, there's more chrome, believe it or not. But it might be less chrome, but it's not that different. It's not that crazy of a difference. Um, so I think we're, the Chrome might actually be getting ahead of itself. It's funny, man. You know me. If you listen to this, we're almost 300 episodes into this. In the beginning, I was like, buy the paper. right? Paper has got the history. Paper has got my Trout update. Paper, everybody was just paper. And Chrome is a new phenomenon. And I, I flip-flop on that a couple of months ago when we started. Uh, you know, I wrote the blog piece about it and whatnot. And I said, you know, I think Chrome is the way to go because basketball buyers are coming in and they buy Chrome and Chrome is the way to go. And you... But now you've seen Chrome just really expand from a pricing standpoint. And I don't know whether or not I could justify spending 2x for a Chrome Soto over a paper. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's a premium to it, and I can understand that. But 2x? I mean, if you put two paper rookies in front of me and one Chrome and said, okay, you could have one or the other, maybe it's a good poll. But you put two paper in front of me or one Chrome, I think I'm going to go with the two paper now. So if you could if you could if you could short in the game, yeah, I would agree. Short the tops the Chrome Soto. Unfortunately, I can't do that. So, I mean, if you could get a Soto paper for two forty five, and you wait maybe a few weeks too, they're out of the race. You know, they they drop into last place, and you could snag that for two hundred one eighty. I I would. I mean, you could get some. I, I think that's a steal. I think that's a really good deal. That's what I sold in the off season for yep. a few months ago before the run up. So I, I would look into that. I really would. He's a generational talent. And if you could hold for a few years, right? Like what's cool about this? If you, if you believe in star stock long-term and you're like, I don't see anything day to day. Well, you could get a few of those long-term investments, maybe two, three or two or three or four of them, put them in your vault, keep them stowed away, see what happens over the next 12, 24 months. And maybe that they double triple because he's a generational talent. And then you could use that to rebuy in, in the future. So. If you have the capital. And there's no reason why I can't, guys. A little success. You know, somebody does well. Somebody plays well. I mean, Mookie Betts, I don't know if you guys remember this. We were talking about Mookie Betts last year. I mean, I, I was buying them at $125, $130 for his paper update PSA 10s. We gave them as a play, like 150 you know, and I know with Gary V aided. But, I mean, those cards are like $1,000 now, right? So, you know, that was half the price of what a soda was now. There's, there's no reason why you couldn't see a similar increase um, with MVP level play in meaningful playoff games as well, you know?
And, and, and what can it. happen? What what can happen is what's cool about baseball. You could have team success and individual success. You're going to start seeing in these June, July months, there's going to be home run races. We love those races, right? Like let's say he hits 12 home runs in, in a month. Can he not do that? Even on a poor team? Of course he can. That will send his cards through the room because people will remember, this is Soto. This guy is as good as Acuna. Acuna cards are not 300. This guy's 200, 215. No way. They should at least be line in line. Tatis, it's hilarious. Tatis was a $75 card last year, right? Soto was kind of consistently in the 150 to 160 to 175 mark. Now Tatis is more expensive than Soto. Why? Because I like Tatis, but why? Face, I mean, face of the game. Face of the game. That's it. They both have dances. Soto seems to do his dance while he's in the batter's box, and Tatis seems to be doing his dance after he hits a home run and he's in the dugout. It's pretty much uh, pretty much the difference in their dances. But no, listen, the market is the market is fickle, right? And I mean, I hope there are people out there who took advantage of buying Tatis in the ten days that he was out injured, and people thought that was a much more serious injury because the cards have really snapped back in price. And look what he's done, right? I mean, five home runs in a three-game period. Um, you know, obviously, it, it, his performance on the field is justifying the prices. And the more he does stuff like that, the, you know, the more seasons worth, the more months worth he does it, the more you have he's not a flash in the pan, right? Because it was one thing that he had an MVP caliber season. Audio. You know, so it's one thing that he had a um, he had a a, um, a good season, MVP caliber season during a shortened, you know, COVID um, season, but for him to come back play through an injury, you know, be stealing bases, hitting home runs, the clip that he's doing, you know, that's that's a different story. Now you have some longevity to him. Now you have some some legs. And if you do it more than that one time, you know, that's how you justify your price. Love it. Stay tuned. Guys, stay on board with us. Ten minutes. Conrad's going to do his breakdown of the NBA index. Anything you want to wrap with? No, I mean, listen, you know, as far as star stock goes, I have to tell everybody, I'm paying more attention to it now, just like Andrew said for baseball. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of daily plays on here. We see people come out of nowhere and have a great performance. We have, we see, um, you know, we see a lot of people doing their, uh, you know, their, their, you know, um, they're having a great week. Tatis was a great example, but it's not just Tatis, right? So, um, you know, I really am. It's like bargain hunting, guys. You know, if you're a fan of, of, of Gary's like garage sale videos, it really is like you're going star stock. I know because some of my cards I'm selling that cheap, but you can really buy rookie cards of folks who can turn it on, who are playing, who are on major league teams. Um, you know, Austin Hayes rookies from Baltimore as an example, right? You know, you're in some home runs. I mean, guys who literally are a dime. Um, and, 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 you know, they'll have a good week. They'll turn it on. Cedric Mullins, right, also from the Orioles. He explained the Orioles. So, obviously, those are my guys that I'm looking at right now because I look at the opposing team and I'm like, Cedric Mullins is the guy they sent down to the minors, right? And and he had rookie cards, you know, and, and he was a switch hitter. And I guess during spring training this year, he said, I'm not. I'm just hitting one side. I'm not. I'm confusing myself with the switch hitting thing. And he, all of a sudden, a light bulb turned on and he's he's mashing. So, you know, I, there's no place like Starstock for stuff like that. If you got a guy you believe in, Pick the guy up in bulk, man. You know, buy that lottery ticket and that rookie that you like. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, I mean, there's nothing I could even add to that. There's nothing I can even add to that. Cage, you're a legend. Luca Nation, we love you. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of this support. We're having some fun. Take care, everybody.
What's up, what's up, what's up, Luca Nation? It is Luca Nation Conrad here, and I'm back with another Star Stock Emerging 30 Index segment. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day today. It is Tuesday, actually. Uh, I was going to say Monday, but that is not true. So let me share my screen here, and of course, we'll go through the usual. So if you want to find the whole index for yourself rather than just the small amount that I'll be covering today, go to starstock.com, scroll down a little bit, and eventually you will come to something that says NBA Emerging 30. You can click view the index and then you have all 34 players at your disposal rather than just the four that I'm going to be talking about today. So let's get started. So the first player that we will be talking about is Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm so excited. He's finally back. Um, And of course, he's actually looking a lot better than I expected him to be. Um, I didn't expect him to be terrible. I expected him to be about average, but he's honestly really exceeding my expectations at the moment because he's basically scored a point a minute in each of his past two games. Um, And that's very impressive for a guy that's coming off of a an injury that I guess took like nine months. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just very impressive. Prices have rebounded uh 19.1% jump up to $40 and 50 cents for Jared Jackson jr's prison base rookie card. It's just very exciting, but not only is he doing well, but he's also a major, major help for this team, not just because of his defense, but also because he opens up the floor for John Morant, which, you know, Brandon Clark and uh, some of those other, they don't have a ton of floor spacing on this team to say the least. I'll just keep it that way. And with Jaron Jackson Jr. being a good three-point shooter, it opens up the floor a bit more for John Morant to attack the basket. And of course, you know, get some more points and uh, just, just do more work, basically, just to be more impactful than he already is on the floor. Um, and we've already seen that take place in both their past two games. Ja has played exceptionally well as well. Um, and yeah, the team's looking really good. I'm going to, I'm excited to see what they're going to do to finish out the season, but then also I'm really excited to see what they'll be like next, next year. Um, and for those of you, those of you that like this team might be a good buy in the off season to pick up some Jaron Jackson jr. And John Morant rookie cards, because they're still looking dangerous together. He's he's, I would, I would just say, he has shocked me with how well he's been able to come back. Um, very impressed so far. We'll see how how much he can, how well he can t- continue that as we get closer to the end of the season and into the playoffs. Second player up is Lowry Marketing. He has lost all of his value. Um, I'm, 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 I opened this up with a uh, pretty. I opened up the Instagram post with a pretty blunt line and i guess i'll say the same thing here larry marketing is a bust i think that's all we can say he's just a very one-dimensional player with very little skill outside of stretching the floor hitting a three-point shot every once in a while sometimes he attacks the basket but he's not overly aggressive so it's kind of ineffective right he just can't and of course actually he's also atrocious on defense so really he's nothing more than a glorified role player um to space the floor and that's about it he's just not what we expected with the seventh overall pick you know not we i'm not a bulls fan but Not what NBA fans expected from him, you know, as a seventh overall pick a couple of years ago, his rookie season, he looked exceptionally, he looked like an exceptional talent, you know, super versatile, uh, multi-dimensional player. And he has not done any of that. Uh, He is definitely hitting a low point in his career and his prices are hitting a low point as well. $18 and one cent is the lowest that they have been for a long time. It's the longest. If you look on the index, let me actually pull this up the whole index. I mean, if you go back all the way to March 1st, every single price here is higher than $18 and one cent. Now, does that mean that he's never been $18 and one cent. No. I mean, I'm sure if you go back for far enough, maybe to February or January, you could find it, but I personally can't find it. So um, this is the lowest point to date. 
uh, in recent memory that we've seen him hit, and understandably so. He just hasn't been playing well. The Bulls haven't been playing well. Uh, Zach Levine is now out for a couple of weeks with the virus, or at least due to the virus's protocols or something along those lines. It's just going to be a rough couple of months for Bulls fans, and if anyone is holding Lowry Markkinen's cards, it's going to be a rough couple of months for you especially, if not longer than that. Um, you know, I would probably consider dumping him off. Personally, I just don't believe in him. If you still do believe in him, then hold on to him. Trust your gut feeling. Don't always just do what other people say. Um, but personally, it's just not looking good for Lowry. And I, uh, it, 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 that's how, that's how I'll wrap it up. It's just not looking good. Third player up, Gary Trent Jr. Now, Trent saw a very nice boost after a couple of really good games, whatever, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. But since then, he's been inconsistent going from double-digit scoring to 25 points in, you know, back-to-back games, right? He'll go from seven points to 25, then three and seven points, and then 23 the next game or whatever it is. Just very inconsistent. And both he and the Raptors are just struggling a lot, uh, for being completely honest. It's it's not very good at the moment uh, in the Raptors' situation, although it may be good if they're trying to start a rebuild or retool. Uh, but for this season, if they're trying to make a run for the playoffs, things are not looking good for them, actually, especially with their remaining schedule, because I think their next four games are like uh, Brooklyn, Utah, Clippers, Lakers and 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 it's and then from then on out it still isn't much easier. So for Raptors fans, I'm very sorry for you. Uh, anyway, anyway, I'm not sure if the Raptors are going to be able to make a run at the plan. I doubt they will, looking at their remaining schedule. But it, of course, it is possible. Uh, but if they do, Trent does still have some nice potential to grow this season. Of course, I wouldn't count on it. But with back to back weeks of 10% drops or higher, I do think that there's room to go up. Plus, with him, you kind of get the not the benefit of the doubt, but you kind of get that that insurance policy uh, in a sense where he's young enough and he's got potential in this team. He's kind of headed in the direction of a rebuild that even if you don't get to sell him this year, next season or the season after, he may still hold some pretty significant value or at least this much value that he currently holds today and you, today and you can break even or maybe sell for a profit depending on when you got in, right? Uh, but as we approach the end of the year, I think a lot of these young guys are going to go down as we get closer to the postseason because the season is coming to a close and a lot of these guys are not number one options are better or better on a playoff caliber team. And if you look at the star stock emerging 30 index today, whoo, like this, this theory really is kind of proven right. I mean, out of the, out of the 34 players there, we've seen one, two, three, four, five, six take jumps. Those six players being Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Jarrett Allen, uh, Michael Porter, Jr. And uh, John Collins. After that, there's some players that, of course, haven't really moved at all. Those are your big ticket guys: big ticket guys, Luka Doncic, Jason Ch- Jason Tatum, Zion, John Morant, all of those guys that are in the triple digits. Um, but then, whew, after that, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the red. I mean, let's look at this: Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, Lonzo Ball, Keldon Johnson, uh, OG Ananobi, Colin Sexton, Donovan Mitchell, uh, DeAndre Hunter. Mikhail Bridges, Kyle Kuzma, Robert Williams, Gary Trent Jr., Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Kobe White, Rui Hachimura, and then Kevin Porter Jr., Darius Baisley, and Marvin Bagley III. I believe that's 18 players in the emerging 30-34 index have taken a hit today. That's a pretty significant drop-off. However, if you do look at the whole index, it's not terrible. I mean, a 42.2% drop is honestly one of the more significant ones that we had in the past couple of weeks. But, uh... You know, it could be worse, right? Or at least it looks a lot worse than it really, really is, if that makes any sense. 
last player that we're going to be talking about is Marvin Bagley III. Uh, he is back to reality. That's how I put it. So his cards have been kind of on a roller coaster the past couple of weeks and deservingly so, right? He wrapped up March on a high note. I believe it was like a 24-point performance and a victory over, I want to say, the Lakers, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, but I do know that he had a 24-point performance along with like 11 rebounds or something like that. Um, to wrap up last game of March, very impressive. He had a solid stretch there, right as uh, right as March <laughs> was coming to a close. But since then, both him and the team haven't exactly been doing well. I believe that they've been two and three in the month of April. Um, one and f- one and no, yeah, one and three in their past four games. And uh, like Markinen, his cards are by far at the lowest point that we've seen them at, at $5.75. We saw a 34.5% drop-off on April 12th, a 16.2% gain on April 19th, and then a massive 41.9% dip this week on April 26th to reach $5.75 for his cards. Very, very cheap. I think that there's – I don't believe in the kid, but the thing is when prices get that low and they, they, they get that low – there's not really much lower that they can go. It feels like all you can really do is go up from here. So there's potential. I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but there's potential to still make gains because enough people will look at that and say $5.75 for his star stock A prison base rookie card. I'm going to buy that, right? And there's potential that if you buy, if you're one of the first people to say that and enough people start buying it up after you, you have a chance to flip for very quick profits. Now, I don't know what it's at today because today's Tuesday, but, uh, you know, just something look, something for you guys to look at if you haven't already. Um, if you do believe in this kid still, now will be the best time to invest and you will see for a while if he plays well, of course, because if he plays well, you know, maybe prices go back up to $9 or close to 10 or something along those lines, and you wouldn't have been able to get in anymore at $5.75, which is still shocking to say. Uh, now, as the team continues to rebuild, they may also there may also be some potential for Marvin Bagley to be a core piece for the Kings organization. I personally doubt that they will accomplish a rebuild in his time frame, but there's still always that potential chance, that possibility of that happening um, that some people may be willing to take a gamble on. Now, that's all I had for you guys today. I'm going to do a quick look over on the index itself, make sure that I'm not lying to you guys. Actually, someone I do want to highlight is Darius Garland. His prices have stayed stagnant at about $10, which is close to a close to a low. As you see, there was an uh, $8.50. 50 cent point which was the lowest but $10 is pretty close um and he's been playing exceptionally well right now I'm really liking this kid I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star freakish like superstar type player but I think that at $10 may not be a terrible investment for the long term um although I wouldn't exactly be buying his base cards if you're holding for the long term but I think he could be a solid player maybe a borderline all-star he's been playing very very well these past couple of games and I'm excited to see his future with with the Cleveland Cavaliers organization All right, but like I said, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you guys for listening, 